Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Going to talk to Aaron Bain. Of course, we touched on Aaron earlier with Lincoln Moore. He's not only heavily involved in harness racing, also thoroughbreds as, uh, racing as well. And he and his training partner in the thoroughbred world, Ned Taylor, they've had a wonderful run uh, in recent months in particular. And they've got some talent running on the weekend. That mare's quite talented, Myrtle Creek. Uh, even though she's only won a couple of races, but she's in good form at the moment, been racing well in recent times. So I wonder if she can be competitive, Myrtle Creek. But he's involved in a pace that set new figures at Penrith in New South Wales last week. There's so much to talk to Aaron about and, of course, the business model and so on. And I'm surprised he's got time to speak to us, given, as I said, he's involved in those two codes, thoroughbreds and also standardbreds, Aaron Bain. But Jason Scott, when he joined me in the first hour, uh, this has been a bit of a talking point uh, amongst many in the industry, um, given I put this out on social media and we put the podcast up as well. But just back to our conversation, re-harness racing. Here's Jason Scott. Jason, I want to start with harness racing. Albion Park, um, obviously you were granted an extension which you were hoping for to stay there for until the end of 2026. Uh, We're hoping to see the Dominion maybe run um, during the winter period of that particular year. What I'm wondering, could there be a change um, in regards to Albion Park? Will we stay even longer in the future given... You know, we could have a change of government and there's some, you know, they're looking into some projects that were proposed that they might stop, i.e. the Gabba and so on. Yeah, look, I don't think it's unfair to say that there's plenty up in the air right now. Uh, the new Premier's obviously um, announced an inquiry into all of the Olympic venues at Albion Park. The reason it was being resumed to Harness and Greyhound was leaving because it was going to be used as the basketball uh, centre for the Olympics and would be the main... Uh, the main hub for the Paralympics for, you know, uh, wheelchair football, basketball and all those indoor type sports that probably the Paralympics use a little bit more than the, the normal Olympics. So uh, that 60-day inquiry will happen. The interesting thing or the great thing for racing is that the, the new infrastructure minister is Grace, who's also the racing minister. So um, I wouldn't speculate, but I think anything's possible. I think um, we've seen the gap. We've seen what happened with the RNA. Uh, so we're, we've sort of we've been negotiating with the government for several months on this, but we've now got new people to, to talk to, and we'll we'll work through that in uh, post minions. If those those events aren't run at Albion Park, where could they potentially be held? Oh, look, I think I'm I'm not completely across the whole uh, infrastructure plan for the Olympics, but I know there was four or five uh, box type uh, venues that they're in the process of building. And I think I think they're just going to understand exactly what they do need. Um, I don't think it's unfair to say that the costs might have got a little bit out of control there, and uh, some changes need to be made. In regards to that, so if, if say that ha- did happen and it wasn't no longer going to be used for Olympics, and we stayed there, what would then happen with Norwell, the facility there? That... <sighs> Look again, I, I would think. You know, if we stayed there, I doubt whether we would... Um, I wouldn't think we would... You know, if the government are trying to... We're trying to cut costs and not, and not build too many more facilities, you wouldn't build another harness racing track. Hopes you could... I'd like to think that we might be able to talk the government into in getting some money to, to spruce up to spruce up our BM Park. Which it needs, doesn't it, Jason? 
Yeah, I think I don't think there's that grandstand's a little bit old and tired, isn't it? So um, the actual track itself's still fantastic. It but is. Yeah, I think if we, I think I think it, it certainly needs some work. But we saw it in the Dominion night that the final, particularly, uh, you know, when you, when it draws a crowd and there's a couple of thousand people there and the, the um, atmosphere and the the event that was put on by by the Harness Racing Club was absolutely outstanding. And I don't think anybody left there wouldn't wouldn't return to another inner dominion it's just got so much history we know the gallops were there years ago and we had the creekers and then when it first started it was boutique speed pacing capital and silks restaurant i know we're not going to get back to that magical era but yes uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would love to stay there if that ever present if that was possible yeah and no, look on top of all of that it's possibly the best location for a for a racetrack anywhere in Australia. Comments from Jason Scott. As I said, we don't know if it's <clears throat> if that's going to happen, but if it does, uh, there's a potential anyway there to stay at Albion Park and there seems to be a mixed view uh, amongst participants. I know many were keen to see stabling uh, on course and that would have been the case at Norwell. So it's just a matter of waiting to see what the government uh, is going to do in regards to that infrastructure project planned for, for Albion Park in 2026. some work. Uh, kicking back Steinman, Huey Johnson running on and mixed messages down the outside. Magnetise and Huey Johnson. I think you've got it, Bainey. Yes, you have. Magnetise has got the 100 wins for Aaron Bain this season in South Australia. Big win. Great Second achievement by Aaron Bain. And as I said, he's got uh, tentacles everywhere in racing, thoroughbred and also standard bread. And he's been good enough to join us. And I think I gave you the wrong time earlier. This time difference. I still can't work it out. Aaron, good morning. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us on. That's all right. That must be something you're very proud of because it's Les Harding, I think, was the last uh, trainer to achieve something like what you achieved there with 100. It was actually 101 because you drove a winner later in the night there at Globe. Yeah, look, it was... Um, I probably didn't think about it or certainly didn't think about it starting off the season. Last year, we only had 39 winners for the year and you you sort of go in trying to get your, the best results for owners and increase your brand but um yeah look it sort of got closer as the season went on and then there were moments where it become that little bit too far away and you probably thought will this happen and to be fair um i think december we ended up with i think we had 19 winners or something for the month of december to make it possible so halfway through november it was probably out of reach and um you thought you'd got so far yet so close or so close yet so far away but um yeah we got the job done Aaron, can you just take me back because I'd like to find out a bit of your history and then we'll talk about some of the horses and so on. So how did the passion for racing start with you? Yeah, born into the sport. Um, my, um, you know, my grandma or nanny, uh, Val Bain, and then my father, Peter, they sort of always sort of had one or two and grew up that way. Um, back when I, was, when I was a kid growing up, sort of eight, ten, Gary Butler trained from our family property and... Um, you know, sort of did my first first fast work at 10 years of age and mum saw me, uh, you know, out the kitchen window. She caught a glimpse of me crossing the road off to do my first fast work at uh, not even a teenager and, you know, I think the bug caught it from there. So, um, you know, then I did a bit of work for Toby Ryan uh, who was very influential early in my career and went through the pony trots and was fortunate that obviously had a family base to uh, start, um, you know, straight into the big horses or as you called it when we were coming through the ponies. There's always that gap can you, you know, to step through to the, the harness racing and, um, you know, that become reality. Always 
played around with Dad. He, he's had a lot of success with the hilltop horses uh, that they've bred uh, with the family, and then that sort of turned three into 30 when I went into partnership with Jake Webster. Um, back in about 2010, we did that for a few years, went our separate ways, work, commitment, life, and come back together. He's summit bloodstock with Jamie Dernberger-Smith and myself as Aaron Bain Racing, but uh, we're very cohesive and joined at the hip. What, what, um, you know, we're all one, basically, and it's um, yeah, turning into the, the beast it is today. Just explain how that model works with Summit Bloodstock. Yeah, so basically it's um, yeah, two different banks. Yeah, same business, you could say. That's how close we are together. <laughs> it's, uh, um, we work hand-in-hand hand together. We, we The three of us play out you know, our key roles in the business around you know, globally now. We race horses in New Zealand and America, and um, you know, that'll continue to expand, but also getting new people into the sport through different opportunities as well. So, you know, Jake and Jamie do a fantastic job sourcing the horses in the harness, and more recently in the thoroughbreds. A lot of our tried um, racehorse success in the thoroughbreds that's really got us off the ground in the last 12 months has been thanks to them and you know Ned Taylor and Will O'Malley we've got a good team um, together that find these horses across both codes and uh, it sort of all feeds back in under the brand of ABR and Summit Bloodstock. And how do you um, you know how do people look up you know the, these shares that are available? Is it just a matter of going to your website or do they go to Summit Bloodstock website or your yeah, own? All the horses, are, all the horses are on our, my, our website is Aaron Bain Racing. So even the guy Jake and Jamie they direct everyone through that channel because it's a very interactive website. Very easy to get in touch with us. The details are on there. There's links to any horse, whether it be harness, a thoroughbred, or more recently, Greyhound. We've, got, we've had a bit of success there in the last month. Uh, any any form of racing, we're um, you know we're readily available and only too happy to sort of you know talk to new people and existing clients as well. Our success is strongly grown off the relationships we have with our clientele and um, we pride ourselves on that, our communication and transparency. Yeah, you talked about horses you're getting from other stables, like even Mighty Sapphire, who's won its past two at Morfittville for yourself, and, and Ned Taylor, it came from Victoria uh, as a maiden. And uh, you've won you know, two runs for you for two wins, that mare, that, that uh, gelding, I mean. Yeah, it had won one in Victoria, um, and then it's obviously won its two from two for us. But, again, that goes back to the process. That in, into every Inglis online sale, there'd be 30 hours, 25, 30 hours of work across five different people that go into this uh, every sale. And every horse is looked at and given a rating and, and given a yes or a no. And, and a, basically, when the sale ends um, lunchtime Wednesday by Tuesday night, we've got our game plan. and. Um, it's all go come Wednesday. Last sale we bought six. The sale before we bought seven. Um, you know, the Mighty Sapphire sale, he was the only one we bought on that occasion, but he, he just ticked every box for us. And, um, you know, he's obviously done us proud and, and done his dues in, in what we saw in him so far. So hopefully there's more in store for him. Aaron, we just talked about this earlier with Tony Gollan, that success story there, you know, buying a horse online. I know it doesn't, you know, Zarastro, for example, he was a million-dollar yearling at the Gold Coast Magic Minion sale and New Connections bought him in October for 32500 and he's the most improved horse in Queensland. He's won five and two seconds from seven starts for Tony. You still with us, Aaron? Yeah, we just lost you momentarily. We yeah, you're back with us, mate? Yeah, got you. Yeah, no, we're just talking about Zarastro, you know, million-dollar yearling, but he was purchased online for not a lot of money, and he's Queensland's most improved, most improved racehorse for Tony Gollum, for example. So bargains can be found. 
I don't like I don't like the horse Sarastro. We were the underbidder. Oh, were you really? Every time it goes around, we say to ourselves we should have gone one more, but uh, maybe they would have gone one more as well. But Zarastro is an interesting horse to our business, and anyone can say that. But the history, you can go back and see the history through the English if they provided it. We were the underbidder, and uh, yeah, they got it over us. But uh, it's been very successful. But we were on the money in, in looking at it too. But they went one bid more than us, and. We just held. You know? All right, so you could have gone to thirty-two seven fifty. It's a sore point, but we, we've got mighty sapphire, so hopefully you can win half as much. Yeah, but not just mighty sapphire. Just looking at, and and Lincoln Moore touched on this earlier. You know, you've churned out a lot of winners, and and tell me about your partner Ned Taylor in the thoroughbred world. Yeah, when we started uh, two years ago, we've only been going two years. Uh, Ned came on board with us in November twenty-one. Um, and basically um, we started off with a few uh, that we were sent and it just sort of built from there. Ned obviously having uh, seven years' experience with the Kieran Murray and David Eustace team, and, you know, when uh, we started out, we sort of thought one or two ways. We could just try and work a couple in line with our paces and win one or two races in the bush and fumble our way through or make a goose of ourselves, or we can go at it the right way and um, try and make something really special out of this and, and quite, you know, quite a brand, which we're, you know, trying to do. And, um, you know, every everything we do every day is around making the brand what it is. Um, so Ned come on board and uh, he was, you know, he's been influential, um, instru- influential and instrumental in um, our successes. He uh, runs the day-to-day operation of the thoroughbreds with his experience. And one thing I stand by and say, you know, one person can, or 20 people can't train one horse, but one person can train 20. And I don't get in, involved day to day in decisions on work. We just bounce off each other. We, you know, we've got sort of 50 paces in work, 25 gallopers. That's increasing week by week. Um, we work very well together. Um, we've got a great team of people around us from staff to, you know, the, our track riders to our jockeys to our owners that make all this possible. So, look, it does. it's not just one or it's just not me or Ned. It's a, a big team of people that are around us to make this happen and get the results. And, you know, the last couple of months they've been showing through. Yeah, Mark Eustace, what a school. We often talk about it. You can add Ned Taylor to that list now. Obviously, Annabelle Nisham and Jack Bruce and Lucy Yeomans who work with Lloyd Kennewell. So, and I'm sure there's more as well uh, that, have, that have cut their teeth in that massive operation and then gone out and been successful in other stables. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's you know, their, their record speaks for themselves and, you know, our, our our business is, you know, you've you got to aspire to be the best and you've got to model yourself off the best. And they classify the CMR, we're ABR, and, you know, there's no secrets in what we're trying to do and where we're trying to be. So, look, we'll try and we'll, we'll compete at the highest level we can and uh, continue to work hard until we get there. And just with one of your partners, Jamie Dernberger, I think he worked with the Robinsons uh, in the South Coast, that, you know, Terry and Chris, those terrific horsemen. And I think he may have even worked with Vic Frost, did he? A legend for a period of time at Westburn Grant and all those champions. Yeah, Vic Frost, Gary Hall Sr., he spent a lot of time there when he was in WA. So, look, um, you know, and even Jake Webster hails from the Webster family, who's synonymous with racing um, across Australia. And, um, look, we we uh, we've we've all had good upbringings in the sport, and that sort of allowed us to to leverage you know off that and uh, try and propel the sport forward. And everything we do is it's not about us or uh, necessarily about us or or um, you know getting the results and success. It, it, what we're driven by is the growth of the sport, and the more people we can introduce to the sport, and the more success we can have, and the big wheel keeps turning, uh, the better off the industry and everyone in the industry is are with a whole. So that's sort of our focus and it's our passion to keep moving forward. Yeah, and you're all very young and you've all got that enthusiasm and obviously you've got the ter- uh, various areas of expertise. Yeah, 100%. Like, we all play our own role. Um, 
the messages, the group message between the three of us, the phone calls, you know, there'd be two or three group calls a day when something happens, we have to be very reactive. We, we try and be proactive like any good business, but, um, you know, at times we have to be reactive and on different things that come up. But under our brand at the moment, there's 400 odd horses from, you know, broodmares, foals, yearlings to, to racehorses to thoroughbreds. Um, and, and again, across Australia, New Zealand, America, you know, that's growing. We've, we've got ambitions to continue to grow that strategically, not just for the sake of horse numbers. It's all about strategic growth and in the right areas that, you know, we, we as a business get the, our best return, but also, you know, giving our owners the best return and best experience uh, together at the same time. So, look, it's, it's like any business. It's driven by results, but, you know, there's, there has to be a passion which the three of us, you know, strongly carry. Aaron, this horse got a few people talking in the standardbred world at Penrith last Friday night. He's a shadow player. It basically jumped on the lure, for, started 371 like a two's on chance and ran new track record figures there uh, the other night. Can you tell me a bit of the history? 152.6, he's a shadow player. Yeah, he was very impressive. First up for uh, Seaton Grimer. Um, we had, he, the horse has done a really good job for um, Darren and Brad Elder previously and then travelled to Queensland. And look, he's won his fair share of races since coming over from New Zealand. So there's no secret the talent's not there and he probably just got a little bit stale and you know in a sense and um the elder family are in the ownership and nicole elder so look it was an open discussion to sort of uh you know try something different with him and you know i think as as much sometimes change is as good as a holiday and he was uh yeah he was brilliant so look how far he can go um his record on at penrith speaks for itself on friday night but um, that's all well and good on the lure. You've got to do it chasing and you've got to do it um, at the next level. So, look, we've got high hopes for where he can go in the next six or 12 months. But, um, you know, he's, he was very impressive Friday night. He was. He won a couple of trials, of course, leading into that. Uh, as I said, he, well, he's won 12 from 82. He's a shadow player by shadow play. Any idea when he may run again? Yeah, he's on Saturday night at Menangle uh, in a heat of the New Year's gift, I think it is. So, is he drawn well? Uh, yeah, drawn two, I think. Like, Will he lead again? Yeah, one would think, you know, like if it'd take a it'd take a game horse to want to park him. Um, so I think Seaton, Seaton drives him himself. So, um, yeah, Seaton doing a really good job with the sort of handful of runners we've got with him. And that's a growth area for us also in the coming 12 months. Yeah, he sort of really made him do it, didn't he? Step up, step up the pace there, coming to the turn there at Penrith the other night. Yeah, no, he was really good, and you know, we've he's um, yeah, he, he's uh, hopefully can go on with it from here. And Spirit of St Louis, he's one of the headline acts in, in pacing. Of course, we saw him in the Interdom final at Albion Park in recent times behind Leap to Fame. Can you give us an update on him? And what did you make of his his run in the final? He ran fourth. Yeah, look, he was really respectable. I thought in the final, um, followed good speed. I think I said on Racing.com the, the day of the Inter Dominion final, you know. Maybe his very, very best is behind him. They don't stay at the top for as long as probably he has. You know, he's competed at the very top. He's won in the last three into Dominions, and you know, a fourth might be a bonus. But um, you know, there are. I think the, his run in the final showed there's still some life in those legs, and there's a feature or two in him when the race has run right. He's lethal around Menangle over the mile, and you know, I think when you see him there next, he'll. Um, It'll be mighty hard to beat anywhere he steps out in those sort of races. All but, right, so that's yeah. on the radar. Is it March 9, the Miracle Mile? Worth a meeting. Garrard's are the sponsor. Yeah, look, you know, he'd be happy to be there again. But, you know, he he probably runs second. That's his record in those big races. But um, he's happy to be bridesmaid, but he's certainly picked up really good money doing it. So, you know, the Nullarbor is also there. We haven't ruled that out or discussed it. We've got a slot to fill for the Nullarbor. So um, dropping his name now might create a bit of intrigue around there. But, you know, there's, there's plenty of opportunity for a horse like him still and, 
you know, he's probably uh, at the twilight of his absolute grand circuit career, but I'm sure he's got a Group 1 left in him yet. Well, that's interesting because, yeah, we talked about this. You know, April 12 is the big race in New Zealand, the race by Greens, where Leap to Fame could potentially be and maybe a Cooter and whatever. So I think the Perth race is about a week later, so it'll dilute, you know, uh, that field a little bit. Both races will dilute each other a little bit there. Yeah, I think last year you saw it. Like they, I think both tracks and both New Zealand and WA take different sorts of horses. Like we're fortunate to have a slot in both races, and the horse we're talking about for New Zealand, never, never necessarily the same horse you're talking about for WA. So, you know, that's um, that in, that creates intrigue. And I think having, I don't think having the two races on the same night's a bad thing because slot racing is the way of the future, and it certainly builds some anticipation and hype around that weekend. This wing's on the line. This was your other winner at Globe. We played, um, of course, your first one the other night on that milestone, uh, bringing up the 100. This wing's on the line. It's got a good record, but that was heart attack stuff the other night at Globe. forty-five, but got there in the end, one of one of yours that you trained. Wing's on the line. Yeah, look, I, she, um, she. she's a she's a pretty special filly. Um, you know, we got a big opinion of her. I think the horse won on Saturday night. The trainer didn't. I probably went run one run too many. Um, you know, she's gone to the paddock now for sort of a good six to eight weeks, but uh, she's got a bright future. I think, you know, we'll sort of, she'll have a good time out now and set herself for a big three-year-old campaign, but some of her runs have just sort of been um, on raw ability and probably her biggest asset is she she tries. Um, you can't teach horses to want to be there and want to race and want to put their head in front and Wayne's comment when he come off the track was she just knows where the winning post is uh, for the right reasons and you know, she was yeah, really good Saturday night, although she only just got there. She was on tired legs and she still found a way to win. So, look, she'll be rested up and she'll come back a, a very nice horse, matured, and, um, you know, hopefully with 30 or 40 more kilos on and muscled right up. Since you combined with Ned Taylor, of course, for the Thoroughbreds and SA, I think 77 runners for 14 winners and, and I think 20 uh, placings. That's a 44% strike rate to place, so that's pretty cool. So what's your best chance at Gawler on the weekend uh, for our listeners? Uh, you've got quite a few acceptances. Moodle Creek, Social Dancer, so- Solar Miss, Bite Your Tongue, She's Graceful, and oh, you scratched the two in race nine, didn't you? Yeah, they drew deep uh, first up, so we're sort of just protecting them a little bit. We'll find another race for them. I think She's Graceful. Look, she was really good first up. Uh, at Gawler, she just sort of that 1,200 found her out first up. Uh, if it was 1,100, she probably wins. But she's second up, drawn a little bit deep, but, you know, nice. She's got good oily toe. Uh, she'll get forward naturally. And, you know, second up with that first up run under her belt, she'll take plenty of catching. So she's well in the market. I think she'll, you know, she's close to, she'll sort of go close to jumping favourite. And um, you sort of just hope that she gets the job done. But at this stage, she looks our best. And that's not discarding Myrtle Creek, who, you know, we, another good example of tried racehorses. We paid 5000 for her. She's had four starts, won 30000 and on the verge of winning in town to sort of take those numbers over 50000 from a $5,000 investment. So, you know, these horses we're buying aren't necessarily, you know, it's not big dollars, and we're trying to find value uh, in everything we do. And we, you know, that's that's our objective, core objective as a team. And everything we live by across both codes or all three codes now with the greyhounds as well that we um you know we find value in the market yeah well uh, she's graceful for example she started in uh, wa for hayden ballantyne she won a maiden or, or one race i should say a two-year-old race that has got in jan 22 and as you said she was good at gawler last start and the winner of that race that beat your home there's run well behind grinzinger prince subsequently hasn't it um exalted dame yeah good form line out of the race and she was only narrowly beaten there so Look, she's um, she'll probably shorten up post this interview. So <laughs> get on now. But, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, if they, if they they back the horse and it wins, well, they might invest in some at Bloodstock. 
Let's yeah, look, yeah. We, and interesting you say that. Saturday, Mighty Sapphire won the last at Morphville, and uh, Ned was doing an interview post-race, and the power of being on there on a Saturday, you know, I think we had eight inquiries um, like in the five minutes post the racing.com interview uh, straight on our website. That's how easy it is to get in touch with us. And, you know, second of that, you, we, I think we've sold three or four so shares to, I think, no, 10. There's actually because a group bought six different people come with it. So from that, you sort of, you've got 10 new people that are bought into the uh, into tried racehorses ready to go sort of in the next three or four weeks. So, um, yeah, it's the power of success, but... Um, and obviously, you've got to ride it when it can because it, uh, it can quite easily go the other way. But, look, we're having a good run at the moment and hopefully it can continue. All right. Thanks for telling us a bit about yourself this morning, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Always a pleasure and appreciate the opportunity. Surprised you got the time to talk to us. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, back at, we'll be back out working the next this year's two-year-old crop. We've got a sort of dozen coming through at the moment, so there's a few here to get through. I was going to replay his Arastro, but I won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that. I'll replay. He's a shadow player, breaking the track record there the other night at Penrith. Thank you. That's uh, Aaron Bain um, joining us this morning. Interesting story, isn't it? And in the twinkling of an eye, it puts up 10 metres now on Arden's Delight. It's a good battle for the Miners. They're queuing up for the placings, but first into the straight, he's a shadow player. It's well clear. It's donkey licking them. It's going to absolutely bolt in.